0: Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. Happy Father's Day to every one of you. We ask you to take your Bibles and turn with us over to the book of Luke, Luke fifteen eleven. And he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divideth unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would vain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hard servants of my father's! Have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hard servants. And he arose and came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the thatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. and As he came, drew nigh unto the house, he heard music. And dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, and said to his father, Lo these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harness, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. I'd like to speak to you for a little while on the story of the loving Father. As we celebrate Father's Day, I'd like for us to remember our Heavenly Father, because he's worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the glory that we can give him. He is the absolute best father there could ever be, our heavenly father. He truly is the father that every individual in the world can trust. A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, unappreciated heroes in all humanity. We are a society searching for a model father. Of all the fathers we find in the Bible, this man is spoken of more than all the fathers combined. We don't even know what his name is. We don't know what his son's names are. We know very little about this man other than he was one that Jesus chose to illustrate to us the relationship of a child of God to the heavenly father. He was the father of two sons. One is called a prodigal son. As many times as I've heard this text preached, as many times I've read it, I wasn't sure the meaning of the word prodigal. Webster says it is recklessly extravagant or characterized by wasteful expenditure. Often we're given the ideal that there was one good son, one bad son, but that isn't the way the parable goes. Both boys had some serious problems, and their father dealt with each one of them individually. Amen. Today, we want to focus on the father rather than the sons. It's because of what his father was that his sons became what they were. This aspect of the grace of God probably receives the finest expression in the parable of the prodigal son. It pays to return once again to draw meaning out of this chapter. First of all, it's probably misnamed the prodigal son because there's three important characters in this story. The father and two very different sons. The story has three parts. The story of the renegade son, the return of that son, and the reaction of the elder son. In all three sections, the father plays a crucial role so that this story might be better named the story of a loving father. The character who begins the action is the younger son. He's a rebellious son. And he asked for his share of the inheritance. And in ancient culture, a very old man might divide his estate between his sons if he wanted to retire. Otherwise, the sons would receive their inheritance at the death of their father. So the younger son demanded his inheritance while the father was still living. It was actually, my friend, A sign of tremendous disrespect. In effect, he was wishing his father dead. Remarkably, the father does not argue with his son. He simply gives his son his portion. Maybe he felt like his son needed to learn something by experience. And this experience cost this young man almost everything. Someone said experience is the best teacher, but I said no. Because experience will cost you too much for tuition. One of the best things to do is learn from other people's mistakes. We can look into the Word of God and find where a lot of people made mistakes. That's one of the reasons God allowed it to be in the Word of God. So we can learn from those mistakes. And we can look around us and see a lot of folks who've messed up their lives. And we ought to be able to look at them and say, I don't want to go down that path. When you see someone make a wreck of their lives... You ought to stop for a moment and think, what happened to them? How did they arrive there? It means the people, my friend, are headed down the same road. So the younger son went off to a distant land and soon wasted everything, wasted his substance with riotous living. Amen. And then, my friend, The man has to hire himself out to the most demeaning job possible for a Jew in those days, and that was feeding the pigs. When he reached absolute bottom so that he actually longed to eat the pig's feed, he finally came to his senses. He recognized he had been a fool. He had wasted his inheritance He had ruined his relationship with his father. So he prepared a little speech to give to his father, begging his father for forgiveness and asking to only be hired as a servant. A hired servant may have actually been considered a lower position than a slave because a slave could be considered as nearly a family member. And all of his needs would be met year-round. A hired man, on the other hand, worked from day to day. And if hard times struck, he would be out on his own. But not so with a slave. He still had a place to live. So the prodigal son aims to be taken back at the lowest possible position in his father's household story now shifts to the father. He sees his son a long way off. So he forgets his own dignity and he runs to meet his son. Older men in that society did not run. Then he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Both of his to- Both signs of his total acceptance. The prodigal son then gives his rehearsed speech of repentance. The father allows him to give the apology, but he doesn't allow him to go on and ask to be hired as a servant. Rather, he interrupts the son to show him that he's been fully accepted. He calls for a robe to be put on him. He calls for the ring to be put on his hand. And he calls for new shoes to be put on his feet. All the symbols that he is being accepted back, not as a hard servant, but he's coming back as a son. Amen. And he calls for a feast where there could be music and dancing and kills the fatted calf for this son had been dead, but he's alive again. Certainly, the Heavenly Father longs for every wayward child to come home. Amen. Jesus told this story, I believe, to make several points, but surely one of them was to say something about the nature of God. People ask the question what is God like? I believe the simplest. And clearest answer is given in the story of the prodigal son. Or better, the story of a loving father. You want to know what God's like? Just read Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse number 11. And you'll see what God's like. Amen. This is what God is like. God is love. And he rejoices when a sinner repents and turns to him. The word repent has within it the ideal of turning or returning. In this case, returning home to reestablish a relationship with his father. If someone asked the question, what must I do to be saved? A lot of people would answer that question and say, well, just be good. But this is not what Jesus is saying in this story. His answer is not be good, but cry for help. If you're here and you're lost without God, it's not just being good that you need to do. What you need to do is what the prodigal son did. You know what he did? He cried for help amen I remember when I cried for help I'm glad he heard my prayer amen people often feel that they must first clean up their act they must come to church but Jesus reverses this he's saying first come home reestablish or establish your relationship with the Father." Now, I tell you, friend, when that really happens, everything else will follow. Now, I need to be careful here and say that I'm not talking about cheap grace. A lot of people in the religious world, they're preaching cheap grace. The ideal that there is acceptance without repentance. Or that there's no standards on which God insists. We must understand the way this young man come home. He didn't come home with his arm around the harlot, staggering down the road. He didn't come home with a cup of wine, wanting to be accepted in his sin. He left the harlot back there. He left the wine back there. Amen, he meant business And that's still what it takes to gain a real experience with God. And because he came back that way, the father accepts the prodigal son back. But friend, he doesn't say that what he did doesn't matter or have no consequences. The father clearly accepts the son back giving him all the honors of a son, but he doesn't give the son another third of the estate. That was gone. He wasted that. Somebody said, well, how do you know? In fact, he tells the elder son, all that I have is yours. Amen. God is just, but don't ever forget Sin has consequences. If you're living in sin, your father may not be able to stop you from doing the things you're doing. Your mother may not be able to stop you from doing the things that you're doing. But listen to me. Sin has consequences. You reap for living in sin. You'll not get by we're sin. Amen. Sin, my friend, will take you farther than you want to go. But when he came back, just like with us, God accepts us back with joy without reservations. I'm glad that God didn't hold grudges on me when I come back. This father does not hold the prodigal sin over his head. Amen. He fully and completely accepted him. You know what that is? That's the grace of God. We are told on one hand not to judge others. On the other, we are told to hold one another accountable in love. But Christians can be like The elder son, we can be hypocrites by not accepting sinners when they come. By denying standards and refusing to be accountable, we can also do wrong. We have a loving and gracious father who calls us to be loving and gracious too. Now, something I noticed about this father, he was approachable. Read verses 12 through 18. He was approachable. Amen. The family history is unknown, but it seems perhaps the boy's mother has passed away and the father's left alone to rear these two sons. There's also an indication they were a wealthy family because of the servants and the herds. And the younger son had dreams, didn't he? He wanted to travel. He wanted to see things that he had never seen before. He wanted to go to a far country. He dreamed of a great task, but he found a great temptation. He dreamed of adventure, but instead he found agony. He dreamed of prestige, but he found poverty. He dreamed of romance. But he wound up in rags. He dreamed of happiness. But he found himself in the hog pen. It appears that the older son has already assumed the management of the farm and the business. Some would have slipped away without talking with the father. Still others might have gotten someone else to intercede on their behalf. This father was approachable by his sons. Men, fathers, we need to be approachable. The reason some sons will not go to their father because the father's not going to even hear them out before they can even say anything or say, I told you not to do it. If you had listened to me, and that's why sons don't go talk to their father. But if they don't talk to you, friend, they're going to talk to somebody. Can your children come to you about anything? This is part of being a good father, a good mother. Can your children talk to you about anything? Have you made yourself available? to your sons, and to your daughters. You know what? Our Heavenly Father is very approachable by those who need Him. God is very approachable. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what where you've been, you can come to God. Amen. And if you come with the right spirit, He'll be just like this father. He's going to receive you with open arms. Amen. I like the part of the story. He couldn't even finish his rehearsed confession. You see, our heavenly father already knows our heart. He knows what our hearts are saying. And thank God for the kiss of forgiveness. When we've been lost out in sin, Thank God for a father's love. He wants the lost to come to him. He wants to save the lost. He loves you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He desired this so much that he was willing to give his only son to die on Calvary that men might come to him and be saved. Something else I noticed, he was a spiritual father. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee. And when the son thought about what he had done, he realized that he had sinned. That means his dad taught him right. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The responsibility for child-rearing rest upon the shoulders of the parents and not the public schools and not the church. This responsibility is upon the parents. However, don't let the devil beat you down. There's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. Our children have freedom to choose the way they take in life. If your children are serving God, then you need to thank God for that and pray for them that they'll stay true and faithful. Be an encouragement to them that they're not walking with the Lord. Pray for them. Do your best to influence them for Jesus Christ. The sun associated heaven with his father. He could not be reminded of God without remembering his father. What an impact this father had on this son. You know what? He wouldn't have left that far country. He wouldn't have put forth all of this effort if he thought it's not going to do any good. He knew when he got there and he made the confession He knew enough about his father that he was going to receive him with open arms. Fathers, I wonder sometimes, are we making the proper impressions on our children? Have our children been taught how to pray by listening to us? Have they been taught how to love God's Word by our example? Have they been taught the importance of coming to church by our example? Amen. He was a father who was affectionate. Verse 20, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Let me tell you, real men, are not afraid to show their emotions. Too many men think that it's not manly to weep, but Jesus wept often. There's nothing wrong with showing your emotions. Even though the son's actions were impulsive, the father did not stand in the way father respected his son's independence enough to let him choose his own way. There comes a time, and it's probably the hardest time in a father's life when he has to start respecting his children's decisions. That don't mean he may agree with them, but realizing them to stand, now all I can do Is The father loved his son in spite of his loss and God loved us even when we chose to reject him, when we chose to ignore him, he still loved us. Everything the son had had been given to him by his father. The son could not even have left had it not been for the provisions of his father. Our lives, our family, our health, all are given by God. Everything we got's been given by God. The father took nothing back in spite of the son's selfish behavior. God even blesses those that rejects him. God divides the riches of his kingdom amongst us. The circumstances of life bring about a need for a father. When the son's life was at its lowest. His need for his father was the greatest. Our need for God is most apparent at the low points in our lives. The son was left with nothing but the memory of his father's generosity. Reminders of God's grace and provisions are never far from us. The father made provisions for his servants God provides for those who faithfully serve him. There's something about a child it needs and it yearns for the love of his father. A broken sinner realizes his need for the love of the creator. The son could not make it on his own. The ways of the son's life led him to ruin. But the father eagerly sought the return. Of this son. The father ran to his son when he saw him at a distance. God rushes to meet us where we are when we come with true sorrow and repenting. The father had compassion. How about us as fathers? Do we have the compassion that a father needs? The father showed love in spite of the son's failures, the son was repented. A true heartfelt repentance. The father wipe the slate clean. Thank God that's a wonderful feeling. When you're under guilt and under condemnation, to have it all just wiped clean. Start over again. Even though the son had squandered the father, all the father gave him. The father still gave him the very best. The redemption of the son was a time of a joyous celebration. Angels rejoice for those who were lost when they are found. And the son was restored and placed back to the position of honor. Not even the accuser can waver the father's love. God's love is stronger than all the troubles of you have. God always holds on to us even when we let go. And God's love never fades. The father had been looking for the son to return. When he saw him, he ran, he hugged him, he kissed him. And I say, what a beautiful picture. God longs for us to come home Amen. And he rejoices when a sinner gets right with God. When someone's been straying and they realize I've been drifting, God rejoices when they come back. Oh, my friend, do you need to come to God this morning? Have you been wasting your life in that far country of sin? If you have, God wants you to come home. To come to yourself like the prodigal son. This father pictures for us the love and the compassion of the heavenly father. You know, this father didn't care about how long his son had been away. Now he was home. He didn't care about the smell of the swine. Now he was home. He wasn't concerned about the rags. Because now his son was home. And what a challenge to us this morning. Do we need to come home to God today? If you've never been saved, why not come home this Sunday morning? Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time, keep living the good life.